Welcome to the Seven Hills Church Podcast with Marcus Mika. We're excited you're here listening as Pastor Marcus is about to bring an incredible teaching that is sure to inspire, motivate, and lift you up. You can visit us on our website at sevenhillschurch.tv or download our free Seven Hills Church app to watch or listen to more exclusive content. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed the message. Chapter 16, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, At Jesus' birth, the angel announced that he was Emmanuel, the God that is with us. If his announcement when he was born is he is with us, then the announcement that's made through his death and resurrection is that he is for us, that he is for us. Why don't you just say that? with me real quick say God is for me come on one more time say God is for me look at the person next to you and say God is for you too not as much as me but God is for you God is for you that's a one percent shift that can make a 99% difference. Verse 1, the Sabbath was over. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. So it happened early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise. They were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Who's going to move this massive obstacle in our way? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone was very large. It had been rolled away. So they entered the tomb, and most of the gospels say there were angels that were there that announced, don't be alarmed, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. You can check out the place where they laid him, but go tell the disciples and Peter. I love when the Bible does that right there. Go tell everybody and Peter. That's God's way of saying, hey, everybody needs to know about it, but there's that one that's really messed up. And Peter. Be like, hey, tell Seven Hills, by the way, and make sure Marcus knows too, because I'm not sure he's going to believe you. There you will see him just as he told you. Now, this moment is unique. We have heard about it. The grave or the tomb, the borrowed tomb that they placed Jesus in is is covered. The entrance is covered with a two to four thousand pound boulder. The reason this is unique is because most of the graves in Jesus's day would have doors with hinges on them. So to place this massive boulder at the entrance of the tomb was a very rare move. And it was a message that it was to be permanent. That no one is to ever move this massive stone. No one should be going in. Nobody should be coming out. And the Roman authorities, the Bible says, actually went to the extreme of sealing the tomb. Which means they would have sent experts in to examine the body of Jesus. 
confirmed that he was dead, that he was the Nazarene that was on the cross. They would have, have authenticated his identity. Then they put this massive boulder in front of that tomb, sealed it, placed two highly trained Roman guards 24-7 to be guard of that tomb to make sure that this grave was permanent. So the goal was not just for this to be a massive stone, but long term their plan was this is a tombstone. Both Marys are early Sunday morning on their way. Their desire is to anoint Jesus' body for burial. And as they're on their way, they're having a conversation about this massive stone. This overwhelming, heavy, unmanageable, burdensome hindrance and obstacle that is in their way. And as they're having a conversation, their conclusion is, we can't move it. We don't have the strength to move it. We, we, we don't have the wherewithal. But, but they're having the conversation, who is going to deal with it? Because if someone doesn't deal with it, they know that there's no way they'll ever get to Jesus. And what I have learned over the years is just like the first Easter. People show up every single year and they are facing things. They are facing things they cannot move. They are facing things that are are a hindrance, obstacles, difficulties, situations that are heavy, burdensome, overwhelming, and unmanageable in many ways. And just like On that day, 2,000 years ago, that a massive stone was a hindrance, people today still have their stones. They still have these massive hindrances. For some, it's a failure, or their past, or darkness, or fear, or rejection, or condemnation, shame, guilt, sin. These things along the way have a way of beginning to burden us and, and bring us down. And just like the first Easter stone, the world's goal and the enemy's goal is that this ultimately becomes your tombstone. His goal is to make sure that the things that happen to us ultimately define our whole lives. It's an amazing thing when you consider the things that people in here are carrying right now. The weight, the heaviness, the hopelessness, the things that people are struggling with all across this room right now. They're carrying these massive things and the enemy wants to use those things to ultimately take everything. He he wants to use them to keep you from God's best, to keep you from his peace, to keep you from his joy, to keep you from his hope and his strength. Probably one of the saddest saddest epitaphs in all of the Bible. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 46 where the prophet proclaims that there is a king who missed his moment. And this pharaoh of the nation of Egypt who led there for almost two decades had unlimited potential, unlimited 
power. He, his history was his for the taking, his for the making. But his whole life was defined. And on his tombstone it read, a man who missed his moment. The Bible doesn't tell us what he picked up along the way. The Bible doesn't tell us what, what stones, be, what hindrances, what heavy things begin to overwhelm. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But it just tells us at the end, those heavy things ended up becoming his tombstone. And he missed his moment. And just like that first Easter, I know that this Easter, the enemy wants you to believe that there's no way that that thing can move. He wants you to believe that it's permanent, that it can't change, that that heavy situation is going to define your whole life. And, and if, he's, if he has his way, he'll allow those things that happen to us along the way to rob us of decades of our life. And maybe even the stories in this room will be people that had potential, had opportunity, were pregnant with destiny and purpose from God, but some reason they allowed these things to cause them to miss their moment. And both Marys that morning, they're on their way and they're trying to figure out who is going to move this, who is going to handle this. It's interesting to me that they never considered what was about to happen. I mean, think about it. One of them is Mary of Magdalene, Magdalene that the Bible says was delivered of seven demons. So she's experienced the power of God, the life-changing power of God. They saw miracles like Lazarus being raised from the dead. They watched as he multiplied the fish and the loaves. They, they saw the power of God. They've watched it. They've seen it with their own eyes. But yet they're on their way. They're having this discussion about this problem, about this issue. And they never consider what's about to happen. Many of you have been discussing for days, weeks, maybe even years, these big, massive, heavy hindrances in your life. And, and maybe like them, you've never considered what can happen. You've never considered. Like these two Marys, they walk around the corner and they look and this massive thing, this immovable object, the Bible says, had been rolled away. And an, an angel announces, what are you looking at? What are, what are you pondering? Did, did you not know that just like he said, he did die, he was buried, but he's ro- risen again just like he said he would. And I think many of you are here today because maybe... The Easter announcement needs to be for you just like there was an empty tomb 2,000 years ago. And just like he rolled that stone away, God wants to do the same thing right here, right now in our lives today. It's called more than celebrating Easter, it's experiencing Easter. The Bible actually says that this was the goal. This was the idea. Not that what you read about and hear about is reserved for that moment and that time. The Bible is clear that that was the announcement, the initiation, the beginning point of God's power, God's presence, God's spirit being poured out for generations to come. And the same way he moved that heavy obstacle, he can move those obstacles for us today too. I can tell you don't believe it. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead talking about Easter, is living in you, 
He who raised up Christ from the dead also now gives life to you, your mortal bodies, your dead areas, because his spirit lives in you. Can you see it? Can you see what the Bible says? It's saying don't just hear about Easter. Don't just listen to sermons about Easter. Don't just show up and celebrate Easter. God's plan is that you actually experience the hope that is in Easter. And the hope that is in Easter and what the stone being moved announces is that God is for you. He's got you. He can handle it. He can move it. He's not done. It's not over. He's not finished working. A man by the name of Douglas McKernan, in 1949, he was a CIA employee in China. The communist regime invaded. And why? while everyone else is fleeing, McKernan makes a decision to stay behind. This is a massive risk that makes him a U.S. hero because he's, he's going to burn up and deal with some top secret files for the United States of America. He knows that if the communists, of course, discover him, he'll be killed. But maybe even more importantly, he knows that there's no way out. There's no planes, there's no cars, there's no trains, there's no way out. There's one path that he can possibly take that's hundreds of years old it's a 1200 mile hike across the desert and so after he burns all of the top secret documents he heads out by horseback across this 1200 mile journey halfway across his horse dies he runs out of supplies he goes several days with no water finally gets in the dead of winter into the Himalayas crosses over into Tibet He is on this path that is covered with snow. He's frostbitten, suffering with snow blindness. And he comes to different obscure villages and he's trying to find his way home. This this path led people all the way out into safety. And so he would ask the villages as he would come to them, how do I know if I'm still on the right path? And every single person gave the same answer, follow the stones. He would come to another village. How do I know? Am I heading the right direction? Am I good? And they would say, follow the stones. So every now and then, every so often, he would be along this path and he would see a mound of rocks. And he knew, they told him, if you lose sight of the stones, you're done, you'll die. There's no survival, there's no hope, there's no chance that you'll make it. No one will rescue you, you are done. So he would go along the path and he would look for those stones and those stones would give him hope. Those stones would let him know he is on the right path. He eventually crosses over into India where he finds out later that the ground, because it was frozen along that path that he took, When people would die along the path, the villagers would come and give them a grave by covering them with these stones and these rocks. What that taught him was the trail marker along the way that led him to safety were actually burial stones. That the burial stones of another became his trail markers that led him home. And 2,000 years ago, Easter's massive stone 
God's plan was that it would be a trail marker for every person in this room. That Jesus would be our forerunner. He would be our trailblazer. He would be our pathmaker. And he never promised you and I that it would be a risk-free or a danger-free or a burden-free or a pain-free journey. He never said any of that stuff. But what he did say is that his death on the cross and his borrowed grave could be a a trail marker for future generations that, that when we're along the way and we've lost hope and we, we've lost strength and we're not sure we can take another step and we don't know up from down or left from right and we're trying to figure out how do I keep going if we'll look for the Easter stone. If we'll look for what God's plan was through his resurrection, that stone and that empty grave announces that God is for you. And if God is for you, it doesn't matter how treacherous the path is, you can make it. We read Romans 8, 11 that says, if the spirit of God is in you. Did you know there are 10 ifs in Romans chapter 8 alone, which many call the greatest chapter in the Bible? 10 ifs. There's 7,000 promises, over 7,000 promises in the Bible, and 1,784 of them begin with an if. Meaning the promises of God are not automatic. If you do such and such, then God does such and such. It's it's a conditional promise that when I obey these things, then God does his part. And Romans chapter 8 has 10 ifs, this two-letter word that can be a tipping point, a turning point, can be a stone-moving word if you understand it. And Romans chapter 8 over and over says, if, if the Spirit of God is in you. John Piper says this is such an important chapter that it's the greatest chapter in the Bible. Martin Luther called it the clearest gospel of them all. William Tyndale, who was martyred for translating the Bible into English, called it the most excellent part of the New Testament. Douglas Moo calls it the inner sanctuary within the cathedral of the Christian faith. And it starts off with a bang. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It ends with this powerful statement. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither present, nor future, nor any powers, neither height, nor death, nor anything in all creation will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe you've heard this one sandwiched right in the middle. It says, all things work together for the good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. All that stuff in your life, it works together for your good. Maybe you've heard this one. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. But the two-letter word right in the middle It's the linchpin, the kingpin. Everything that we're talking about hinges on this verse. Everything about Easter is bringing this verse into clarity. And it's verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? You see, the biggest lie you can believe is that God is not for you. It's a 1% shift that makes a 99% difference. You see, in the garden, the Bible says that that Adam and Eve are there and the enemy, the serpent, begins to have a conversation with them. And the bottom line of the conversation was he was trying to convince them that somehow God 
was withholding from them. That God was not for them. And because they begin to buy that lie, they begin to doubt the goodness of God. They pulled back from God. They rejected God. And millions of problems on our planet are rooted in the belief that God was not for them. If the enemy can get you to believe in that lie, he'll get you to reject God for all the wrong reasons. Not, not for who he is, not, not because of his, his true character, but because of a lie that you bought in that, that God is not for you. But Easter announces that God is for us. It, it's not only that he's for you on some days and not other days. Like some, some days God's okay and some days he's not okay. No, God's for you every day in every imaginable way. It's not that God's for this one and not that one. He doesn't pick his favorites. God's for every single person in this room. Every individual, God is for you. And he's for you for all of eternity. And if he is for you, what can be against you? Another way of saying this is it's called the law of the lever. Simply put, a lever amplifies input force to provide a greater output force. In any system, a leverage point is a place in the structure where if you apply the solution at the right place, it can be a small amount of change, but it can cause a large change in the system's behavior. And every system has it, political. There's a political system, your economic systems, your social systems. In athletics, in a sports, in, a, in game, in competition, they would call this when the momentum shifts. So if you were watching Mar- March Madness last week, you saw this happen with two of our Cincinnati teams. You're, da- you're up 20-some points with a couple minutes left. And how do you just give that away? That's because the opposing team found... The law of the lever. And just a little adjustment, bam, changed everything. It's a 1% change that makes a 99% difference. And the Bible gives us leverage point after leverage point promises that a 1% shift makes this 99% difference. And there is no promise that you could grab a hold of that would give you more leverage, that, that may seem smaller, may seem more cliche, may, may seem minor, may not seem like a big deal. It may seem like just a 1% adjustment. But it could make all the difference in the world than if God be for you, who can be against you? That one little if, answering that for your own life and whatever you're facing and whatever massive hindrances you're dealing with can change and move maybe some impossible obstacles for you. See, over time we start to pick things up. People do things to us. We do things to ourselves. And it causes all kinds of issues because you begin to wonder who's really for you. Who's really for you? I mean, there are those who are in this room who may be your own father. When you think of him, you're not sure he's for you. Or your own mother. And maybe it's your babies, your children. And, and you would say, I don't know what's going on, but 
there are people in this room that, that maybe it was a close friend or maybe a brother or a sister, a sibling. And if anybody should have been for you, it should have been them. But when you think about all those relationships, you're not really sure they're for you. You're even in a church on Easter Sunday, and maybe it's been a while since you've come to church because somewhere along the way, you met some church people. I've met a couple of them myself. And you're not really sure the church would be for you. Maybe it was an employer. Maybe it was a business partner. You know, it could have even been, and it might even be, got on your knee and you said, man, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. You walked down the aisle and you said, I do. And maybe they're even with you right now, but, but even your own spouse, you're not sure they're for you. And when you live long enough, you even do some things to yourself that you look back and you think, man, forget about what everybody else did. Most of us would probably admit we've done way more to ourselves than anybody else ever has. And what that does is that becomes heavy over time. It becomes very heavy, the failure, the shame, the guilt, the rejection, the abandonment. It gets really heavy over time. And we try to carry it. We try to lift it. This is a 200-pound stone. I asked them to get me a two to 4,000 pound stone. But this is the best they could do. But they promised me I couldn't lift it. Just so you know, it's not an illustration. isn't it? It's how some of us look to God. It's how some of us were today in church. We're just like, best we could do to get through this service as far as we have. Because we know we're going right back out. Facing the same hell that we were dealing with before we came in. And it's heavy. That's heavy. But God never wanted you to carry it. He never wanted you to have to do that. The, the, the Easter was about the same way he moved that stone 2,000 years ago. He wants to move the hindrance, the unbearable thing in your life. He wants to move it the same way he did back then. He wants to move that today. They took the weight of this stone and they put two to three times the weight on the other side of this lever. And as impossible as this is to move, all I have to do is apply the law of the lever. And what I can't do on my own, I can do with the right leverage. There is no greater place than the cross where God proves that he is for us. And all you have to do is say, I, I, don't, I don't want to keep 
Okay, I, I don't know. Just like both mirrors, I don't know who's going to move it. But instead of having the conversation about how's it going to happen, who's going to, what? Maybe you need to maybe consider, maybe, maybe let God move it. Because what I can't lift on my own, watch, just very little effort is given. God before me, the things I can't lift on my own, the things that maybe even are impossible or unbearable, when I give them to him, I learned that if he before me, it don't matter who else is against me. See, you lifting your sin, this is what it looks like. Letting him lift your sin, this is what it looks like. You trying to deal with the addiction on your own, lift that addiction on your own. You say, I can't. But the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a 1% shift that makes a 99% difference. You're trying to deal with the abandonment and the rejection and all the inferiority and all the low, all that stuff that kind of piles up on us. And if you bring it to him, you find out, man, I can't do anything about that. But the Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. If God be for you, who can be against you? Some of you need to maybe ask yourself about that if part. Do you believe he's for you? Do you know he's for you? Do you have the revelation, not just the Bible verse, but do you have the revelation? It doesn't matter if everybody else bailed on you. It doesn't matter who says you can't or you'll never or you'll always or it just, it doesn't matter. He's for you. It's a position change. It means you know he's in my corner. He's got my back. He's covering me. He can handle it. And if he is for me, I've got everything I'll ever need. And Easter announces that God is for you.